Are you at a loss for how you can actively support and empower women of color to thrive in leadership? Time and again, I'm looking at reports showing the current numbers of people in all levels of leadership, and regardless of the level of leadership, the industry, etc., women of color are in the lowest percentiles. The conversation you're about to hear with Rebecca Mariuki explores positioning yourself for a leadership promotion as a woman of color and the challenges you'll navigate and how we can all be a part of the diversity change that we want to see in corporate leadership. This conversation will give you practical tips to create environments for women of color to feel a sense of belonging in their current teams while also helping them feel empowered in their career ambitions. So let me introduce you to Rebecca. Rebecca Mariuki, the host of the Elevate Her podcast, is a leadership and certified mindset coach who helps Black corporate career women secure leadership positions and confidently get seen, promoted, and paid as the leaders they deserve to be. Rebecca has helped women become potently visible inside boardrooms and around leadership tables while staying true to who they are and what they stand for. She helps her clients create a value proposition and an intentional path to get promoted from manager level to senior leadership and executive positions in their organizations. Rebecca is an associate director in the largest global audit firm and has transitioned into different leadership roles throughout her 12-year career. In this episode, Rebecca and I discussed Rebecca's path to advancement as a woman of color implementing strategies for creating inclusive workplace environments, navigating the unique challenges and opportunities faced by women of color in leadership and how you can help them, and fostering leadership skills that empower managers to advance their careers and drive positive change in their organizations. Rebecca shares that it's oftentimes once women get into leadership positions that their biggest challenges begin. So how can you help them when they're at that level? And lastly, the number one mistake to avoid when attempting to reduce barriers in leadership opportunities to have more diversity in leadership. If you are new to the Women Taking Lead podcast, hello and welcome. I'm Jody Flynn, the CEO and founder of Women Taking the Lead, a leadership development company that helps leaders achieve their gender parity goals at all levels of leadership and in all divisions of the organization. We help to realize these results through consulting, coaching, leadership development programs, and keynotes. My goal is for this podcast to be a valuable resource for you and others in your organization to grow in your leadership. And if we are not already connected on LinkedIn, please send me an invitation to connect. You can find me directly at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash Jody Flynn, or you can search on the platform for Jody Flynn. I am very active on LinkedIn, so I should be at or near the top of your search results. Be sure to add a note to the invitation, letting me know you're a listener of the podcast. I would love to connect with you and get to know you better. Now. Let's bring Rebecca on. 
Welcome to the Women Taking the Lead podcast, Rebecca. Thank you so much, Jordi. I am so excited to be finally having this conversation with you and your audience. Thank you for having me here. I know. And to address finally, so the audience knows, we chatted, we are recording this right after the new year, but we had originally spoken prior, but both you and I were so busy and had like big plans for the holidays. We're like, okay, this recording is going to happen a month or so from now, but that's okay because time goes by so quickly. And sure enough, here we are. And I'm thrilled. We're finally having this conversation as well. Yes, finally. (laughs) So, Rebecca, the audience has been introduced to you. I told them how amazing you are and what a fantastic career you are, you've had and you're experiencing now. But share with everyone a little bit more about who you are in the world and what you have going on in your personal life. Yes, sure. So, I like to start off usually in a career setting or corporate setting. I'll start off with my corporate titles, but because we're on this podcast, I'll start off with what I'm truly passionate about. And that's in empowering other Black women in corporate to move up the corporate ranks and really become leaders of impact that I know they all deserve to be. So that's that's my real passion. But during the day, I am an associate director at a global audit firm. I lead a team of 21 actuarial professionals. I'm a qualified actuary and I have been in the corporate space for over 12 years now. And when I am not at work, I am a mom of three, including twins. So they definitely keep me up and about uh, while I'm not at work and really grateful to have a family that I love being with when, yeah, when, when I'm not at work and just continue to inspire me to be my best in different areas of my life. Mm -hmm. So three set of twins, I'm sure they keep you on your toes too. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) And they're all under six. So this becomes a madhouse when they're not at school. I was just picturing the energy going through the house when they're all awake and on the go. That's amazing. And I'm sure plenty of people who are listening can relate to that experience of just the house is a madhouse. When you're home, the kids are home from school. Um, it's It sounds amazing and noisy all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. Well, Rebecca, I was excited to have this conversation with you because you have such a unique perspective um, for helping women of color to enter leadership and then rise through the ranks. And you have something to offer for both women of color and allies to help make this happen, right? To get more um, diversity and and more importantly than diversity, like inclusion and belonging, because when there's inclusion and belonging, diversity comes as a result of that. But I would love to start with your journey. You are doing amazing work in the world uh, and you've had success in your career, but it didn't, I'm sure it didn't come like, like instantly snap your fingers happened overnight. You had it all figured out. So if you don't mind sharing, cause I think this will also be helpful for um, the women of color who are listening, who 
want to be in leadership or, or wondering why it's so hard to rise through the ranks, like what is going on other than the obvious issues, I think there there's something to be learned from your journey. So tell us about your career and how you made the moves to be where you are today. Yes. Oh, my goodness, Jody, you're so right in saying that it definitely wasn't an overnight uh, success. And even in the companies I worked with that had strong DEI policies, it still didn't mean that, you know, I got a free ticket to the top. There was still a lot of learning and learning I had to do. And I think that's what makes it so much more special for me to be able to impart those learnings to my you know, fellow Black women in what I do in leadership coaching when I'm not at work. And uh, I started in a different firm, a different audit firm. I've been in consulting pretty much almost all my career, but I started in a different audit firm. And when I started, I still remember just being so eager to, you know, get into the workplace. I I was the kind of person who was raised from a family where we were taught to work hard. You know, education was so important for my parents and excelling. And so, you know, we were always being pushed to, you know, get those A grades. And if you would come home and you've got a B, they wouldn't even focus on the A grades you had. And they would ask you, why did you get an A? What happened to that, that subject? Um, and so hard work and, and making sure that I was always, you know, on the right side of, of, of things was always something that I grew up with. And that's how I moved up in school and in university. And so when I got to the workplace, it was a huge culture shock for me mm-hmm. because it didn't take a few months for me to realize that my hard work was not what it was going to take for me to continue to advance and to do well and, you know, to continue to to grow in my career. And, and I, I want to add, Rebecca, like, I hear that from a lot of people, like the transition from being in school to entering the workforce, this idea that your hard work will pay off. And as long as you're a hard worker, you'll be recognized and rewarded. It's a myth. It does not happen that way. It doesn't. I don't know if maybe it happened in the industrial age when our parents were working. Maybe that's how, you know, they went through in their careers. And so a lot of this is also conditioning from, you know, our parents continuing to tell us of society um, and they're continuing to drive these thoughts. But I totally agree with you. It just doesn't work that way. And I realized that there were unwritten rules of this corporate game. And somehow I didn't take the course in varsity where people were being taught about these unwritten rules. But I also realized (laughs) that, you know, it, it wasn't like the course that I needed to take. These were, you know, certain things that you would either learn from your mentors or you would emulate if you were in a homestead where, maybe the people in your family were in traditional or, you know, modern corporate careers. Um, And I didn't come from a family where, you know, I had someone who I could learn from who was in a modern corporate career. So it it took uh, a lot of, you know, disappointment, uh, a lot of just trying to navigate because, again, when I got into the workspace, you know, diversity and inclusion was, this is like 12 years ago. It's very different to 
how it's become mainstream and such a huge focus right now. And so I didn't really have a corporate parent. Now, um, DI leaders talk about this concept of having corporate parents. I didn't, I didn't have someone I could go to and say, okay, I, I really don't understand why I didn't get a good performance rating. I did my work. I did what I was asked to do. I've done everything well. I've, I've stayed out of trouble. What do I need to do differently? I had to figure that out by myself. Mm. And I was fortunate enough to have people around me. Um, so at the time I was, uh, you know, engaged to my now uh, partner and he, he um, had, you know, had similar experiences to me. He worked in London for a couple of years and, you know, we were able to exchange notes and I learned a lot from that. Um, unsolicited mentorship but I realized that so many other black women don't have that at all they don't have someone that they they can ask you know without feeling any prejudice or you know that there might be backlash for Mm. you know the questions that they're asking which someone else might think I mean that's really so obvious didn't you know that you're supposed to self-promote don't you know that you're supposed to challenge ideas even if it's coming from someone senior which is not something that you're taught to do in fact you're discouraged from it as a black woman growing in a black household and so a lot of this took you know a lot of painful real life experiential learnings that that you know are sometimes painful it's painful when you miss a promotion and everyone you started with in your career has literally moved up it's painful to see that happening And, you know, a a lot of times I would then victimize myself because I also Mm. tended to find myself in workplaces where I was the only black woman. And while, yes, there may have been biases that existed because, you know, you tend to want to work with someone you're familiar with, you have similar experiences, you can relate with. There were also certain things that I needed to work on myself in order for me to be seen as ready for the next level of leadership. And so those are some of the learnings that that I had to pick up along the way. But then I also realized on the other side that being, you know, the only Black woman in my field, and back then there were, you literally could count the number of, you know, people of color in actuarial prof- professional. And so I also observed these biases happening in action. And so it's always been something I I love talking about. And even now in my current role, I'm very active in our diversity conversations and initiatives because sometimes you need to have someone who has experienced it for you to actually understand how these biases potentially could be playing out because sometimes you don't even realize, right? And and it took a lot of growing up on my end to realize that some of these biases were not intentional. It, it's mm-hmm. some some sometimes you actually need someone else from an outside to give that external perspective of, hey, you know, when you talk about this topic, for example, as a black woman, I can't relate to it. I can't relate mm-hmm. to a rugby match you watching a rugby match or a soccer match on the weekend because that's not what I do and and so maybe other women can of course relate to that but sometimes raising it and showing how their these biases are actually playing out in real life has really been able to illuminate 
um, for the allies and the work that I do in my current workplace, their role and how they can now elevate the the diversity agenda for Black women in corporate. So that's that's my journey in a nutshell. I know we could be here all day talking about it, but I think it's it's twofold. I, I saw it from the lens of what I experienced, but also how allies could then help elevate uh, Black women in leadership. And that is so helpful because I, you know, I am not a Black woman, but being a woman going through the world, I can definitely relate to, you know, when I was younger, just being angry, right? And feeling victimized, like this is happening and, you know, like lashing out about it. And I've come, like you said, in my maturity and growing up have realized like a lot of these biases happen and people are unaware that they are actually excluding people or, or pushing people out by some of the topics or the examples that like the example you gave of like, okay, when you use rugby as an example, it's hard for me to relate because I don't know the rules of rugby. I don't understand what you're talking about, but it's not intentional. I think 99.9% of the people out there, like don't realize the impact that they're having and making it more difficult for others to feel included, like they belong and also to advance in the workforce. And I've, I've talked about this, um, in the last episode as well is like how you address these things is really important because you, you, you know, you want to empower the people in power who have more authority to be helpful in these situations because they want to be helpful. They just don't even know what they can do that will make a difference. So that was a great segue because another thing I wanted um, to talk to you about is, you know, what are the strategies that you're teaching allies for creating inclusive workplace environments, right? How can we flip that example into something, something that would be empowering for women of color? Oh, yes, that is, that's such a good question, Jody. And I think what I have seen and our, how, and of course the, you know, how companies are approaching DI has evolved and I want to give credit to companies who, who are doing amazing work in, you know, bringing transformation and diversity in their workplaces, in their boards, in their excos. But what I have seen uh, really works is thinking of it from, you know, from the perspective of, okay, what what are actually the barriers that are stopping these Black women? Because sometimes it's not just handing a promotion and saying, all right, we're going to put you on the fast track to get the directorship promotion. Sometimes it's really understanding what are the barriers that are stopping them from showing up as the next level leaders? Is it that there are limiting beliefs that have been fueled by how they've been raised that need to be resolved? Is it that perhaps because English is not their first language at home, you know, in in many countries where Black women work in the corporate workplace, English is not necessarily their first language, and therefore they need support in being more confident to communicate ideas and be vocal in meetings using English as the first language. And I know these sound so trivial, but sometimes these are the small things that add up 
and could make a huge difference in how that woman actually eventually thrives or how she might even potentially self-sabotage or get sabotaged Mm. when she gets that leadership promotion. So I think it's just having a really much more holistic view than just saying, you know, we have these targets, we're going to identify who are the top performers, and we're going to put them on a fast track. It's Mm -hmm. really understanding what are the barriers that are stopping them from showing up in their full leadership potential, and then supporting them in, in elevating those areas that need to be closed. Because like I shared with you earlier, Jody. I also felt victimized a lot. And I also felt, you know, I deserve this. I should be on the promotion list. I should be fast-tracked because there's so few Black women. But when I also took a step back and started to realize some of the gaps I needed to work on, that's when I realized that, okay, I also have a role to play in how fast I advance my career. And that, that's just the reality of things. And, and you know, when we can meet each other from both lenses, I think that's when we can start to have huge, amazing transformations. And these Black women can also start to make a huge impact when they get into the leadership room. Are you getting value from listening to the Women Taking the Lead podcast? If so, could you do me a huge favor? Could you leave a rating and a review in your favorite podcast app? Ratings and reviews make a podcast easier to discover and written reviews let a potential listener know whether or not a podcast might be of interest to them. Podcast reviews lend social proof that listening to the episode is worth someone's time. So if you would be open to leaving a review, go into the Women Taking the Lead podcast show page in your favorite podcast app. Every app is different. But if you can't find a setting near the top of the screen, you can just scroll down a bit to find it. For instance, on Spotify, click on the three dots to the right of the setting wheel. But on Apple Podcasts, it's about halfway down the show page. Thank you so much. I see all the ratings and reviews and each one makes a difference. I love this perspective of you know, we can't just change the program. We can't just change the policy and assume everything's going to fall into line that it like, it's almost naive to assume that like, it's a level playing field, you know, that the same things you would do for a white male are going to work for a black female. They're, they're just not. And that some of these programs are going to also have to include some personalization and discovering what are the unique obstacles that each woman is facing when considering advancing into leadership. So it, it sounds like it's a much more personal approach. You know, if, if the goal truly is to have parity you know, in leadership among genders and races as well. Yes, absolutely. I think you've summed it up so well. It needs to be personalized because everyone has their own lens with which they do things, which is really influenced by a lot of things that have happened in their past, how they, you know, maybe live currently, their family set up, so many different societal issues that you don't realize are the unseen issues influencing how maybe they show up, how maybe they communicate, how maybe they handle difficult situations or how they lead their team at work. 
And I was also going to ask you about, um, okay, let's play this forward. They've been promoted and they're now in leadership. Are there other unique challenges that Black women face when they're now in leadership and not just a candidate for leadership? Yes, I actually think that that is where the biggest challenges lie, because I think there's so much focus on let's get more Black women into leadership. Let's get more of them promoted, because You know, that's what the statistics always talk about. When you look at the women in the workplace report, a lot of it is focused on, you know, how many women are getting promoted, (laughs) how many are moving up the ranks, but not much is talking about what happens once they get in there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where sometimes there is a breakdown between now this woman's ability to step up and to actually make a meaningful impact when she's in the leadership room. And it's really hard when, you know, you're the only one because obviously you start to wonder, okay, do I belong? How do I start to make myself vocal? How do I start to, you know, share my opinions, even if they are different to everyone else's in the room? And that's what diversity is about, right? It's about having diversified opinions so that you can reach to much more enriching and much more empowered decisions at the end of the day. So I think if I, you know, was, was speaking to, and obviously I'm speaking to so many allies on this podcast, but I think once you look at the end from the beginning, that's when you can start to really create something transformational. Because again, it's not just about getting more women in, it's about once they're in, how can we get them to thrive? Right. And and I truly believe that when we have more black women in the leadership room, they then have they can take the mantle and then bring more women with them up. Right. And then the 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 onus is not just on the DEI leader or the exco. These women are also creating this movement for other black women to thrive um, through how they're able to lead with impact, you know, be influential in key decisions. Uh, be able to communicate uh, in a way that shows them as the authority. Uh, And like I said, it can be really challenging when you're the only one in the room and showing up in that level of authority uh, is, is a challenge. And Rebecca, for those who are in the ally position in this scenario, you, you gave a great, um, background and context for the challenges that Black women are facing when they're candidates for leadership and when they have become leaders. What are some things you would want allies to know or um, suggestions you would make to them so that they can empower um, these Black women to really thrive in leadership um, and advance in their careers? Yes, I think one of the things that I always encourage is you don't have to try and find the solution on your own. Get other Black women in the organization to create solutions, right? Crowdsource with Black women who are really experiencing this in a real-time you know, basis. I see a lot of organizations try to sort of white-knuckle solutions um, but they're not actually including these women in the room to hear their voice and, and create an environment that allows them to actually share what exactly it is that they need 
in order for them to thrive. I was just thinking that you spoke earlier about the unique challenges of each woman. So each company is going to have a different set of unique challenges that these women are facing. So the best way to find out what's the right solution for your organization is to talk to the Black women in that company and find out what are their unique set of challenges and thoughts on the current environment. Yes, absolutely. I think that's such an important point that you've raised there, because even just, you know, taking one DI policy that has worked in company X and trying to, you know, apply to your organization might not necessarily work if, you know, the lens through which these Black women are experiencing the workplace is very different to the other company. Uh, and, And I think it's so important to make sure you're making their voice known and not just making their voice known, but showing that you're actually using whatever it is that they're sharing to create these solutions. So they could share the problems, but they could also be the solutions, right? Mm -hmm. They could empower, you know, other women, right? The ones who, you know, step up and say they're, they're interested in doing it. They could be the ones who are the pioneers for creating this change in, in, in diversity and transformation. You don't have to do this alone. Yeah. I think. And, and oftentimes and they are the solution. They just need sponsorship, right? And support yes. from decision makers and those in authority. Yeah. Yes, yes. I don't think they're looking for, you know, a solution to be handed over to them. They actually want to be part of it and they want to be part of, of this change. It's just so fulfilling to see more women, you know, black women, white women, diversity really in the organization at all levels um, of leadership thriving. So that's that's one thing that I would say organizations really need to do. I think another area which I'm sure you and I both agree in is look at maybe non-traditional ways of supporting black women in corporate And so I see a lot of companies, you know, taking these women on leadership programs. But what if they need a therapist? What if they need someone who can help them heal their subconscious limiting belief system, right? It's not necessarily a leadership program that they need. And I think those non-traditional ways can really help in creating a much more enriching experience for these Black women to thrive in. We are 100% on the same page when it comes to this, because that has been my experience as well, not just for Black women, but sometimes the challenges that women face when they're in leadership or advancing in leadership isn't necessarily that they don't have the technical skills or some soft skills, but rather they're good at all of those things. They've got the power skills, they've got the technical skills, but they have um, mindset um, issues that hold them back. I don't want to use the word issues, but they just have certain mindsets or self-doubts or limiting beliefs, as you mentioned earlier, that hold them back and keep them from truly believing in themselves and feeling confident stepping into a leadership role like powerfully, I guess, for lack of of a better word, I think sometimes women get into leadership roles 
and they're not showing up as their best self. They're not doing their best work in that role because they're holding themselves back. So you and I are absolutely on the the same page with, you know, their alternate um, methods of, of upskilling and upleveling women leaders. So Rebecca, you also were going to share, and I, and I have this, the number one mistake to avoid in reducing barriers to leadership opportunities and driving more representation for diversity and leadership. So it, the the whole sentence, I didn't even need it. I saw the number one mistake to avoid in reducing barriers. I'm curious about that. So when we are looking to, you know, remove barriers to leadership opportunities, what is that biggest mistake that we can make? Yes, and I think we've hinted at it through um, in our conversation a couple of times, but I think the number one mistake is focusing on diversity targets, is mm-hmm. focusing on a number, like we need to get X percent of women. And and that's, you know, it's it's a norm because that's the statistic that companies use to show that diversity is something that is key. But it can be something you use to communicate, but it doesn't necessarily have to be your focus. And I think the challenge is when you focus on that, you then end up not having that holistic view that I mentioned because you're just so maniacally focused on, we need to identify who these women are. We need to get them promoted fast. Yeah. And another statistic that I would really be interested in seeing, and hopefully women in the workplace report can start reporting on this, is what is the retention rate of these Black women when they get into leadership? Because I think that's that's the key. That's the key. Because that's when you can truly see that you've made an impact. Yes. And I hear stories all the time of companies that promote women because they want the numbers, but because these women have not been prepared for the roles and responsibilities that they're going to be taking on, they get promoted. And then within a year, they are changing companies. They are gone because they're like, this is too much. I'm overwhelmed. I don't think I belong. Right. And then imposter syndrome creeps up because they weren't prepared to take on the different tasks and responsibilities in that role. And so, yes, I would love to see those retention numbers as well. How many people turned over before they like in this number, right? They, they increased the number of black women in leadership, but how many of women turned over in the process of trying to hit this number? Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, one of the solutions I mentioned about having these black women empower and be the trailblazers you can only have that sustainably if you have these women staying. Otherwise, what ends up happening is you have this high turnover and it's almost like you're starting over again all the time because you have this churn rate and you have these new people coming in. They have different experiences. And so it's it becomes a challenge to create something sustainable that you can see through because at the top here, you don't have that institutional sort of knowledge or yeah. that institutional experience from yeah. these black women because they're just turning over so, so fast in order to mentor and empower these other women who are rising up the ranks. And then it just becomes this vicious cycle. 
And it's dangerous because it can destabilize an organization. It's costly and it impacts morale because the people left behind in the organization, they're the ones dealing with this churn, right? The, the, they're short-staffed, and then we hire. Now we have to train somebody. Now we're missing knowledge. Now we're spending more time researching how to solve problems because the people who know how to solve those problems left the organization. So now we have to get that knowledge all over again and do it the hard way. When I'm all for, I don't think somebody has to stay in the same organization throughout their career. There are career opportunities, but overall, an organization to stay healthy in the long term, they want to retain as many people as possible in a positive work environment, right? Because then that's the environment in which people thrive and grow and the organization can grow as well. So this really, what we're getting at, Rebecca, is this really helps everybody, right? When we change the focus of our our goals, right? Rather than that diversity number, let's look at what is the culture? What are the programs? How are they designed? How are we supporting our people? Because we're not just going to do it for one segment of our population. This will ripple out so that everybody feels the benefits of the change in lens, so to speak, of looking at, are we preparing our le- our people for leadership? And are we supporting our leaders to thrive and grow in their leadership positions. So I love that. I love that. Yeah. I love that point you shared. It's a win-win for everyone because when the leadership is thriving, when you have a diverse, you know, mind collective mindset from the different diversity of, of people in there, not just necessarily black women, you end up having, you know, better decisions. You end up having more stability, it will show in your bottom line. And so like you're saying, it's a win-win for everyone. And they can also get the rewards and benefits of that, you know, through your policies and how you, you know, you reward and remunerate. And, you know, hopefully also through the culture that encourages them, you know, to stay on. And like you're saying, not necessarily stay on if it's time for them to leave, but, you know, not to just get in, get the title and then a few months down the line, you're having the same conversations again because they're not happy and they don't feel like they belong. So thank you so much for, for making that point. Yeah, well, that I think is the crux of the message that you send as well, because I'm following you on LinkedIn and we're going to get there so that people know where to find you and follow you. But your message is so clear about what you're trying to do, who you're helping. And I would say for any organization where you know, if you, if you are listening to this episode and you are a leader in a position to make a difference in your organization and you're not quite sure where to start, reach out to Rebecca. So Rebecca, where can people find you to continue this conversation with you? Yes, absolutely. Please reach out to me on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, I use my maiden name, Rebecca Marete. So please just search for me over there and you'll find me. Um, I think I have the title leadership coach. Um, so you should be able to find me over there. I'm also on Instagram at Rebecca K. Uh, Morioki, so you can chat with me over there if um, Instagram is more of where you hang out for all the ladies in corporate or listeners who are on here, but the organizations I usually link with on LinkedIn. So really excited to continue this conversation over there. 
And Rebecca has her own podcast as well. Where can they find your podcast? Because you're you're talking to podcast listeners. <laughs> yes, I didn't think you would mention that. Yes, I do have a solo podcast. It is called the Elevator Podcast. And on there, I talk about, you know, all different issues that cut across some of the key issues I see women going through, not necessarily just Black women. And, you know, it's a great opportunity for you to tap in if you're an ally looking to release, you know, transform and refine your, your you know, diversity strategy uh, so that it really speaks to the challenges on the ground that these women are navigating. So looking forward to seeing you over there. And I'll have all the links to LinkedIn, Instagram, and the podcast in the show notes of this episode. So if you are listening through um, a mobile app, you can just uh, tap into the description of the episode. If you're listening to this on the Women Taking the Lead website, it'll be at or near the bottom of the webpage. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us we are all better for having met you. Thank you so much, Jody. Really appreci appreciate you having me in here. And thank you to all the listeners who have tuned into this amazing conversation. Thank you so much for listening to Women Taking the Lead. If you are not yet subscribed to the podcast, hit the follow or subscribe button so you don't miss out on the upcoming episodes. And if you know of other women and men who can benefit from this episode, please share it with them. Most new discoveries come from our friends, family, and colleagues. And as always, I hope this was of value to you and here's to your success.